Hey everybody, it's Keith Billick here. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Picky Fingers podcast. This is definitely going to be the last one of 2020. We're all going to be so crushed to have to say goodbye to this year, but it also means you only have about a week left if you're listening to this right away to take advantage of the special sale at the Picky Fingers merch store. If you go to banjopodcast.com and check out the store there for all the cool stickers and t-shirts, there's only a few limited sizes and colors left, but the, the key portion of this is that if you enter by 2020 as the coupon code BYE2020, you are going to get 20% off your order. So check that out. Like I said, there's limited sizes and colors, but I'll be replenishing those soon. And in the meantime, you can get a uh, sweet deal on those. Oh, and you have my word that if you order today, I promise you they will not arrive by the holidays. So I'm, I'm a man of my word. I'm an honest businessman. You can, uh, you can take that to the bank, but you'll still get your awesome shirt and sticker eventually. Another cool thing to tell you about, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned the Banjo Summit, which was an online banjo camp, and that one was definitely geared more toward advanced players. Well, I have another one to tell you about, and this one's going to be aimed more at you beginners and some intermediate players, just as some really fun motivation and encouraging everyone to make sure you get your banjo in your hands and have a lot of fun learning with some really impressive professionals. Now, what this is, is a good friend of the podcast, Lara Keithley, who is in the dubious banjo-playing lawyers club out there. Uh, she has teamed up with the Americana Music Academy, and they are presenting the Soundbite Banjo Clinic. So clear your calendars for January 9th, starting at 2 p.m. That's Central Time, 2 p.m. Central Time on January 9th. This is a Zoom clinic. It's only going to be a couple hours long, so no need to set aside your whole weekend about this. But the best part about it is listen to some of these presenters that are going to teach you what they know about the banjo. You're going to have Bill Evans, Gina Furtado, Billy Failing, Ricky Meyer, and then a Q&A with banjo builder Tom Neckville. I spy a lot of uh, Picky Fingers veterans there, so you know a lot, of, a lot about those people and how good they are. You can catch that, like I said, January 9th at 2 p.m. And the other best part about it, it's only 25 bucks. And the third best part about it is that net proceeds are going to a nonprofit organization to assist musicians affected by COVID-19. So it's all for a good cause, and, and what better excuse to get your banjo out and learn a few things. Most importantly, the way to find that is to go to the website that's americanamusicacademy.com slash banjo dash workshop that's americanamusicacademy.com slash banjo dash workshop and i'll post a link in the show notes too but make sure you check that out next of course is when we acknowledge my favorite people out there you're all my favorite but a few of you are even more favorite than others. And I'm talking, of course, about the very special Patreon supporters. And today we have two sponsors of the podcast. The first is CJ Marsicano. He is a multi-instrumentalist who found his passion for music by listening to the Sex Pistols, Kiss, and Cheap Trick. So extremely well-rounded, but he's, he's made his way to the banjo now. 
and I've learned that he's actually a fellow podcaster. He said he was just about to start a music-related podcast called the Groove Music Life Podcast, and I checked it out, and he's he's got it going, so go listen to what he's doing and uh, support a fellow listener. Uh, the other patron of today's podcast is Dale Cardos. Dale gave me a good laugh. We were messaging back in late October, and he was making a choice between donating money to one of our esteemed presidential candidates here in the States or to give it to uh, a Patreon site. And uh, I guess I won. So, man, I love to hear it. That's uh, democracy at work. Good good stuff, Dale. So, uh, CJ and Dale, thank you both so much for your Patreon support. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter yourself, go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast and you will learn about the terrific rewards. I actually just published a bonus episode for all patrons. So those of you who are patrons, go check that out if you didn't see it already. And those of you who are not patrons can access that if you sign up now. So yeah, patreon.com slash banjo podcast. Thank you. Other than that, you all know the drill that you hear from every podcast out there. It really helps to rate and review online. Five stars only, of course. And track me down on all the social medias. I really enjoy interacting with the listeners that way, especially in these times where, let's face it, I'm not doing much other interacting with um, people who aren't in my immediate family. So it, it's, a, it's great for me to know that you're all still out there. All right, on to today's show. This is a freshly picked episode reviewing the album called Chicago Barn Dance and featuring an interview about the album with... Greg Cahill. So he, he of course, doesn't need an introduction. You actually, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you've heard a whole episode of him talking about his own experience, but now he is talking about this album in particular. And this interview, as you'll be able to tell, happened a little while ago before the IBME Awards, uh, for which this album was nominated for several. And I just looked it up and it indeed won the song of the year for the title track off the Chicago Barn Dance. So if uh, if this interview doesn't convince you, then maybe the fact that it has the song of the year on it will cause you to check it out. So it was a, a great listen and always great catching up with uh, Greg Cahill, who's a, a very good friend of the podcast and a great ambassador for the banjo and bluegrass music in general. As you can probably, you'll, you'll be able to tell, at least at the very beginning, uh, we did have some crazy audio problems you know i'm not gonna go on you've you've all experienced it with your zoom meetings but you know as soon as as soon as we think we have everything moving then all of a sudden we get frozen screen or something drops out it took us way too long to figure this out but um we eventually got it going but if you do hear some glitches or funniness in the audio my apologies i did the best we could and uh greg was a real champ being patient as we moved through the technical difficulties. So here it is. Uh, enjoy the interview with Greg Cahill regarding the album Chicago Barn Dance by Special Consensus. All right, so let's uh, let's dive in before anything else goes terribly terribly wrong yeah so greg thank you once again for taking time out of your 
I understand it. It's a busy schedule, even though you're not performing as much as you probably as little as you ever have uh, in your adult life, I imagine. But I still appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me about your new album. Oh, it's, uh, I, I'm happy to do it, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, Keith. It's great. Yeah, uh, so this is... I'm, I'm an old rock and roll fan, so I'm a sucker for a good concept album. And so I think this is something that, that Bluegrass needs more of. And so why don't you tell us what the concept of this album is and, and how that came about and, you know, j- just the, the thought process behind what, what this is. Sure. Well, you know, um, in general, this is my 10-year anniversary with Compass Records recording with them with allison uh producing and she's just phenomenal and usually uh we we start gathering material and trying to decide as as we get the material uh we all listen to songs uh, the five of us um and Mm -hmm. start putting our heads together and and then when we select songs that we know we're gonna record we start to see if there, you know, usually there's some sort of pattern or something that develops where we can kind of see a theme. Um, this time mm-hmm. was a little different only because it's the 45-year anniversary of Special C and yeah. also the 25-year anniversary of Compass Records. And so uh, the Special C thing, I, 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 I have spent probably, it's a little better now, maybe 40 of the 45 years explaining to people when they say, how can you play bluegrass from Chicago? That can't be possible, <laughs> you know? And it's, and it used to be uh, just kind of nasty back in the seventies when we started. And um, mm-hmm. of course with uh, festivals growing and indoor festivals. So the music could be played year round pretty much everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course the internet, I mean, that's changed some especially when there's so many great players coming from places like New York and uh, different places in California and what have you. Um, But I just thought, uh, and I spoke with Allison about it, I said, you know, maybe uh, this is, you know, Chicago. And it just happens, uh, happened to be that uh, the city of Chicago, uh, with our new mayor, decided to call 2020 the year of music. The year of Chicago oh, really? music, yeah. So all I was these, not aware of that. All these arrows are pointing to, well, what if we just tried to relate, you know? And then I started telling Allison the story of this show, the Chicago. It was actually called the the National Barn Dance, WLS Barn Dance, mm-hmm. and um, which was here actually on the radio as early as the twenties, but it was in the heyday of the thirties, forties, fifties. It ran up into the sixties. And it started as a radio show and it brought in, you know, there was such a country audience, people moving here for jobs. Um, and especially yeah. in the forties after the war. And, um, so, so many people of the, of the early country stars were, I mean, everybody was on that show, you know, um, Hank Williams to, uh, uh, well, the Monroe brothers, they, they started as dancers. Uh-huh. They moved to Indiana to work in the in the refineries and and they started as dancers ended up being um you know the the team the, the brother duet team um homer and jethro actually moved to chicago um to be on the barn dance as regulars you know and uh, gene autry ray rogers was on there with uh, the sons of the pioneers so it was country but th- there really wasn't what we call bluegrass back then and then it as it progressed a lot of the folks uh, scotty and lulubell 
um, or on there, you know, Lulubel and Scotty, I should uh, say. Um, yeah. So, so it, it really has history and roots here in Chicago and always has country music. And uh, then the Old Town School of Folk Music is was 50 years old last year. Um, hmm. And they always brought the, the front line, uh, the, the, the first generation uh, bluegrass bands to Chicago. Bill Monroe and, and Jim and Jesse and the Osborne Brothers. I mean, you know, Jimmy Martin. I mean, everybody played here usually almost once a year when they came through town in this small place that seated a few hundred people, you know. Um, yeah. So anyway... Um, I, that's that was the thought, you know. What what if we just not only tell people about Special C forty five years, but what if we relate this to here? This is how long the roots of this music have been here from way before us, and yeah. um, just let folks know that uh, a lot of people have uh, have passed through this this region and this city, and this used to be at the Eighth Street Theater on Saturday night, and people would stand in line for blocks, even in January when it's twenty below zero. Just to get in and hear the show, Patsy Montana. You know, it was it was great. Yeah, that's cool. And well, and go I was going to say, and I, I I'm very fortunate that I knew several of the the performers from those days. Johnny Frigo, hmm. one of the greatest jazz fiddlers in the world, who passed away a few years ago in his 90s and played right up until um, before he right around the time he died. Um, and uh, he was on the show, and he we did jingles in Chicago. I did got to do that with him, and then played some shows at uh, some festivals. He would always play the, not always, but oftentimes play the Fiddlers Gathering, which is in Indiana. And uh, okay. but he was a jazz guy, so he put together a bluegrass band, and I got to play uh, banjo with him. And and uh, uh, Bob Atcher, who was the singing cowboy, uh, sort of like the house band guy for the thing. When the show <laughs> ended, he became the mayor of Schaumburg, one of our suburbs. But he was just starting to regroup. I knew him quite quite well for a long time. And, and just so many so many people. Homer and Jethro, I was great friends with Jethro. I lived like four blocks from Jethro for like 18 years. Um, and he, he, right. he actually joined me on my first solo recording back in 1980. And so anyway, we, there were a lot of connections, in other words. And uh, so that's when Allison just loved that idea. Like she, she wasn't aware of how how entrenched country music really was in Chicago, and she just picked right up on that and ran with it. Well, I just love how it turned into the the final product, like the the intro song, for example, which is you know the the self or the yeah Chicago barn. Would that be the eponymous uh, track? Is that the right word for that, it? But uh, yeah, yeah. I think the title so. track, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it it almost r- reminds me of like the the aeroplane album or something like oh, that, yeah. where <laughs> you know the same the same sort of concept, the radio show, and uh, you know you have Becky Buller and and Mike Cleveland doing twin fiddles, so it doesn't get much better than that. Have to get your tickets in advance, Chicago. Exactly. And, you know, after telling Allison this story and then we decided, yeah, that's this is it. Let's let's see what we can pull together. Songs from the area, from the region. Um, and so she was uh, at a festival playing, you know, with the uh, the award winning uh, women in bluegrass, that band that they, yeah. they toured with. And she just mentioned this to Missy Rains and Becky Buller said, man, what? it'd be great if y'all could 
write a song about this and and, <laughs> and, and and they did they went back to their rooms and they wrote a song while they were on the road and they did such a great job of researching it because that is the history of that show with it when you listen to that song i mean they nailed it and we were just so happy and allison then thought uh, as she listened was like wow She'd put down these ideas for, hey, what if the fiddles played this? Or how, you know, maybe we give us a little more of that radio show feel, just add to it, that whole thing, you know, that it's a real show kind of thing. And so she, she's the yeah. one who put together the parts for the fiddles and us. I mean, we just uh, jumped right on that. And um, I just, just really enjoyed, we really enjoyed making this recording and, and, and the connections. And, you know, most of our, I think all of our compass recordings, we try to bring in friends to, to, to play, to join us, just to make it a, just to show mm -hmm. people how much and how enjoyable music is, you know, and you can get your friends and you can make your music and it just, we just want people to smile and feel good when they hear uh, one of our CDs. Well, it definitely has that, has that vibe right off the bat. And then the, the next song is Lakeshore Drive, which I'm, maybe I should be more familiar with it, but I, is this something that like every Chicagoan knows as like a, a city an anthem kind of thing? That's exactly it, Keith. Yeah. Aliota Haynes, Jeremiah. Um, they were, they were really just a great band and they were Chicago based and they started to, and they were, you know, one of the bands, there are some bands like that, that came so close to being this huge deal and, but just never quite hit that market. But, but came, they did, they were great. And, uh, that was such a key song, almost like the way Chicago barn dance, that song gives you the history of the barn dance and the whole feel of the country music. Well, when you listen to the Lakeshore Drive, that's that's a real story, especially for musicians. I can't tell you how many times I drove down Lakeshore Drive coming home at four or five in the morning after playing a gig and sitting around and picking with the musicians. You know, Chicago's a very great music town, and, and musicians, especially back in the 70s and 80s from all genres, would, would go out to hear other bands and become friends, really good friends, and, and everybody mm -hmm. kind of stuck together and, and applauded the, the, the high bar that was set by so many of the blues bands and the rock bands, and, and everybody kind of, uh, at least vaguely, knew everybody else, and, and it was really great. So that was one of those seminal songs of the 70s. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I don't think I've heard the original, but I'll have to I'll have to track that down now. That's cool. Well, let me say one other thing. I just have to tell you that yeah. was really cool. Allison found a tutorial online for the piano parts on that because they were key, huh. uh, pun intended, uh, on the <laughs> on the original. You don't have to be so black and white about it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, I'm so that, sorry. That joke fell flat. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, so so uh, she she clued, she keyed me in on that, and and I, so I studied the piano uh. parts and just tried to you know there are parts in there where the banjo's doing a blah, 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 like really I don't know what you would call it triple time double time. Another day, and there ain't a road just like it anywhere I found. 
But anyway, so we were just yeah. trying to make it a, a real uh, nod to that song and to show that, you know, we researched it. We did our homework and wanted to make it uh, not just throwing together a cover, but really put together something that was as musical in a different way uh, as the original. So I just thought people, banjo players might want to know something about that, because if you, you can do this with these uh, piano tutorials, learn, you know, it's it's it works on the banjo. Cool. The next one, uh, East Chicago Blues, that's got to be one of my favorites. Was that, was, I don't know if the whole album was recorded live, but I'm specifically wondering about this one because it's got such great group dynamics to it. Um, it has a very live feel. So I'm, I'm curious about how that was. Well, that came about, you know, Robbie Folks was a special sea boy for a couple years back at mm -hmm. around 88, 89, and was actually on one of our recordings called A Hole in My Heart that was released in 1989. And we stayed great friends. And um, he lived in Chicago until last year, the whole time raising his kids and, and his wife mm -hmm. is a, a phenomenal singer and, and a voiceover artist. And so ah. we played a festival uh, in Michigan and Robbie was there with Linda Lewis, who he sometimes tours with now. And Robbie's just an extremely gifted writer, songwriter and singer and guitar player, but uh, just mm -hmm. uh, a, a brilliant fellow. Um, very, very knowledgeable studied the uh, music and writing and songs and poetry and so i saw him and and said hey we're, we're doing this concept uh you know trying to tip the hat to chicago blah 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 how about could you write us a song and he's like oh i'd love to you know but i'm so busy blah 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 well and then i got an email from him when he got home and said you know i've been thinking about that maybe <laughs> maybe i could do that we'll we'll see and then he sent me a note which I found, no, he called me, and it was, uh, he said, has anybody ever written a song about Bill Monroe in the first person? And I said, wow, not that I know. Huh. I've never heard anything like that. Maybe not even Bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, he said, okay. And so if you listen to East, East Chicago Blues is what he came up with, you know, and it is the story of Bill, you know, moving up from Kentucky to Indiana to work in the refineries, but play oh, his wow. music. If you really just catch the words, I mean, it's so well written. I think it's all of our, one of our favorite songs on, you know, the songs written by our friends like Becky and Missy and, and Robbie. And it just seems mm -hmm. so powerful. And just the words. So we did not record it with Robbie. We tried to work that out, and he was going to hop into Chicago on the way from California or on the way back to, I don't know where he was going, New York. And we just couldn't get it when we were all going to be there. But um, but the words were so powerful uh, that we just sat down and uh, just, you just found the groove right away, you know? Just that it's sort of this eerie feeling and real serious venture into what what Bill Monroe was all about, really, and how this happened. Yeah, it's, um, got, it's got a darker vibe, and I just really admire the different, um, like I said, the group dynamics. It's got some breakdown sections and a lot of interplay between the, the instruments. So however it came together is really cool. And I, and I will say I, I played that on the last recording, um, which we were kind of tipping the hat to John Hartford, and I borrowed Allison's... Uh, low tune banjo and mm -hmm. just thought that was it so we recorded a song called way down the river road a john hartford song with that and 
and it uh, yeah. it just worked real well. So I, I I had to buy one of those after that, and uh, and so on this particular song, which is in E minor, uh, we thought, wow, this would be really cool, you know. So I tuned it to the key of E, but you know we play, played it played in E minor, but the the banjo itself is tuned down, which I think brings more of that uh, haunting feeling, you know. That was literally the next uh, note I had was, is this the Julia Bell banjo? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> well, we're on the same train. All right. Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely cool one. What's the next one? My Kind of Town, which is like, what? that's a, like a, a crooner Rat Pack song, right? Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. This one's, this one's super fun. And definitely for the banjo aficionados, definitely going to want to hear this because you and Allison do some twin banjos there's there's twin fiddles and it's it's just a real fun tune trying to decide we needed some we always put an instrumental on our recordings and and back on the first one that allison produced for us scratch gravel road which was 2012 i had written a tune and asked her if i it took me two weeks to get up to courage to because i mean she's such a phenomenal musician and i, I asked right. if she would play twin banjos with me and mm-hmm. she said sure i was like oh thank god great <laughs> and so <laughs> So ever since, you know, we always only have, we put one instrumental on each of our recordings, and then, you know, the next album came on and I said, what, a, what about Twin Banjos? And so we've done it on the past, uh, on four of the recordings now. And so it's this like a one, new tradition. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, it's just such a joy. Well, first of all, just being in the studio, being around her. I mean, we were good friends before we started working together professionally, and she was very mm-hmm. good to take us on and uh, she and Gary have been great but um, we were trying to decide uh, we thought well yeah it'd be good to have the instrumental relate to Chicago everything else and we were trying to about the song Chicago Chicago you know but then this one Allison was right she said you know I think we could have some more neat chordal things happening in my kind of town instead of you know Chicago and it'd be kind of cool we could really come up with a great twin part which she did um and and arranged i mean it was pretty much her arrangement uh you know we all sit around the table and contribute and think about what we're going to do but this one in particular she had this vision you know this in her ears and so we actually uh, the engineer uh matt cole who's great engineer was able to take the old franks and one of those recordings and separate his vocal from the instrumentals so we could really study his phrasing and maybe that gave it i don't know if it gave it a polka feel or what what it would be like a swing kind of ragtimey yeah something like that more of that you know and that's how we Mm -hmm. felt it when we heard how he was phrasing the song 
And so we did it, you know, and we started in F and then modulated the G. Allison's real big on modulations. We're we're catching on to her her style, you know. It's always <laughs> going to be, well, what can we do? It, it, that's what's so great. That uh, This is a sidebar. It's just so wonderful working with her because for her, every song is like an album, you know. There's no filler song. It's like we sit down and what can we do to make this song or this tune special? And we'll mm-hmm. go through it and, and rework it. If it's, a, if it's a song, you know, who's going to sing lead? What's going to sound best? How do we want to stack the harmonies? I mean, just, I mean, we really think about the songs, I think, is the message I'm saying. As I said, I studied the piano parts for the, uh, the uh, Lakeshore Drive, and we studied yeah. Frank Sinatra's phrasing for this song. And so, I mean, we really put time and energy into uh, how we're going to do it, and then we do it, you know. Um, so this was this was yeah. real fun for us. It was a joyful. Um, the fiddles, yeah, that's great. It's 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 a real fun sounding track for sure. Yeah, it was it was great. And Patrick and Mike uh, Patrick McAvenue and Mike Barnett just killed it. We sat in the studio and watched them work out the twin. Well, let's what if we do this? What? And that's how it usually is with with Al's and me. Well, what if we do this? And yeah, okay. And um, so anyway, it was it was fun. Hey everyone, these days we've been all trying to support as many locally owned businesses as we can, and nothing says locally owned business to me more than Elderly Instruments. It's literally a mom and pop store, and now it's actually a mom and pop and daughter store. And regardless of that, they always treat everyone like family anyway. But it's uh, been family owned since 1972. You can see their world famous showroom in Lansing, Michigan, Or if you're not close enough to do that, you can check out their entire inventory online at elderly.com. And who they are, as if you didn't already know, they're the world's most trusted source for new used and vintage fretted instruments, including banjos, acoustic and electric guitars, ukuleles, mandolins, and they have everything you need to go with those too. I actually just placed an order with them recently. They had it out their door by the next morning. So not only will they get your order to you quickly, but their down-to-earth and knowledgeable sales staff will help you with any decisions or advice you might need. They can all help you out. And I've, I've said this before, but the best part is they're not on commission, so they're just trying to help people the best they can. So definitely check out Elderly Instruments for any of your banjo or other stringed instrument needs. That's elderly.com, or give them a call at 517-372-7880. The Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast is also sponsored by Peghead Nation, which is a online source of streaming video courses for banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele. You're going to learn bluegrass, old time, or any other root styles from some of the most talented instructors out there. Just the banjo courses alone at pegheadnation.com are really impressive. Check out the offerings that they have. Bill Evans teaches beginning banjo or bluegrass banjo. Evie Layden teaching you clawhammer banjo. You can learn Wade Ward style banjo with Bruce Molsky, the banjo according to Danny Barnes, or contemporary bluegrass banjo with Wes Corbett. And any of those courses you choose are going to come with high quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, and play along tracks. So plenty to learn from all at pegheadnation.com. And a special offer for you podcast listeners. If you join any of their courses now, you're going to get your first month free. 
All you have to do is go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code PICKYFINGERS, all one word, at checkout, and that gets you your first month free. So go to pegheadnation.com. That's the best when you just have this creative energy and and you almost can't play all of your ideas fast enough <laughs> yeah, as, as they're right. coming to you. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, well, speaking of of trying to be true to, you know, old versions of these, you had Rob Ike sit in on the, the CCR tune. Right. Um, which is really cool, getting the, the slide guitar going. And, and you, you stayed pretty true to that tune basically until the end. There's some extended soloing which is always good fun yeah again all the all the scratching of strings and all that stuff yeah that was just a fun you know we try every song on this recording has some link in some way even though it might be vague but a link to chicago you know either by the Mm -hmm. songwriter or by the content of the song or just by maybe the proximity of the songwriter i mean this song you know this is this song starts just got back from illinois you know and and so we made you know that we thought that's and it was a huge song in chicago you know and then of course sure they had a key change in that song so not to be undone allison was like okay let's change keys (laughs) okay and then okay let's change keys again what okay let's (laughs) so that's what at the end it's just changing keys after and we're we're it was we're we're just chuckling the whole time just it was it was fun Yeah, that is cool. And Rob killed it, you know, on the dobro. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's such a great player. Of course. Yeah, perfect choice. Perfect choice. I, I was wondering, so the next two after that, to me, seem like they're both New Orleans-themed. Am I dreaming about... I mean, obviously, the city of New Orleans is explicitly about New Orleans, but I hope Gabriel likes my music. Isn't that like a Dixieland tune? Right, right. So is there some New Orleans connection that I'm not understanding or no okay. not actually that's that's a good point and i can see how you would see that but no city of new orleans steve goodman was from chicago you know okay and we were friends that's it um and, and in fact there was a, a major club in chicago called the earl of old town a major folk club for hmm. years it was the place you know it'd be like the gate of horn or something or like the i don't know any of the big folk venues and um yeah we finally got to play there and the first time we played there uh the seating you know came right up to the stage and i looked down and by god there's steve goodman sitting in the front row because you know he loved mandolins he had jethro playing with him for years uh, in in his okay. later part of his career but that's how we met steve goodman he came out to hear us and we were i didn't say anything to the mandolin player you know till <laughs> on the yeah. break we went around to the back they had a little pub in the back uh of the Earl where the musicians would go. And a lot of the journalists from town, everybody would hang out. It was very artsy mm. and uh, it was called Sylvester's. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, uh, Oh God, I can't remember. But anyway, um, so we bet <laughs> that's how we met. And, and so the connect Steve was just beloved by everybody loved by everybody. He was a beloved uh, institution in Chicago, you know, and mm-hmm. his passing was so sad. And, and uh, uh, he's still, a, a, a rock star in Chicago, you know, he'll never be forgotten yeah. his music and the stuff he did with the Cubs. He was a huge Cubs fan and um, just so integrated into the, the city. So that was, you know, we had to have that on there. And then um, Gabriel likes my music is probably the, the vaguest connect, but Rick 
Ferris and I, when we were we were teaching at the uh, Midwest Banjo Camp, and Mike Dowling was an old bud of mine. He used to live in Chicago, and then he moved out to Wyoming and started his own music camp and what have you. And, and uh, so he was there. We got to visit a lot. And one night he said, hey, let's just sit on the porch here and play some tunes. So we did. And he started playing that song. And I, uh, Rick wasn't there yet. It was just the two of us were sitting playing. I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this tune, you know, because I love that swingy uh-huh. stuff. My mom was yeah. a honky tonk piano player, you know, and so uh, that style of playing and yeah, that's kind of your thing. Yeah. yeah, so so he played that. And I, oh my god! And Rick came by and heard the the middle of it on and couldn't get his guitar out fast enough. He said, "We got to do that again," you know. <laughs> so we really wanted to to put that on the recording. And knowing that it 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 was a, a Dixie kind of thing, but it was a huge hit here in Chicago for Louis Armstrong. And okay. he was here with all the big bands back in the day, the 20s and 30s and, you know, in the 40s, um, playing the big ballrooms and everything. And that was one of his signature songs. So that was the Chicago Connect. You know, it was like, OK, this uh, this makes sense, you know, and uh, that's cool. So that's how that got on there. Yeah, that year at Banjo Camp was the first time I had ever seen Mike Dowling play live, too. And man, he he just knows how to put all the notes exactly where they need to be. He can really make that thing sing. Yeah. Perf. So tasty. He's so right. tasty. He's he's just awesome. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, the next song is I Am The City, and I, I always love it when uh, Dan gets a chance to be featured because he's such a great musician. And, um, you know, just any just anytime he can be a little more to the forefront, uh, he deserves all, all the attention he's going to get for that. I totally agree. Yes, yes, he's a just a phenomenal, not just bass player, but bass player is his thing, you know. And and uh, he's got a degree in jazz uh, performance, a master's degree, and he taught in school. And but he's the nicest down home guy, and grew up loving bluegrass music, you know. He'd go to festivals with his granddad, and um, so. Uh, he started writing that, you know, and we. This was when we had our theme totally clearly identified, which was the connect to Chicago. And that's what I was going to ask, as if it was, uh, if it was, was in response to that prompt or not. Yeah. Totally, totally. It was probably the the last song finished uh, writing. I mean, uh, when when people were writing songs or sending us stuff, or we were trying to decide. Um, because he he was he really you know he brought the concept in and, and just had ideas for some of it and and it was like yeah this is cool and and the chord structure is really really different and it sounds kind of like a common structure in a way but when you get into it, it, it it's just it's cool there, there's a a, a, a funny uh, a major or minor chord sometimes that appears and uh, hmm. so. Uh, yeah, and it was great because then he we had a song for him to sing, you know, and and he wrote it, yeah. and, and it was about the city. So I am the city. It was great. No brainer, yeah. And I and I have to say, particularly good backup banjo on your part on that sounds so great. You can just hear it chugging through the whole thing, and yeah, a lot of drive to it. Just not unusual for you, but that song in particular seemed to be give you a chance to really kind of just groove on step that. back yeah. and roll, yeah, roll yeah. with it yeah yeah, yeah i love that's cool. i love doing that you know it just adds another texture i think you know and, and drive absolutely yeah. yeah totally one of the lyrics in that song's song refers to i have it written down here the song of home playing on my radio and i i just loved how that 
kind of fit perfectly with the theme too that really wraps it up in a nutshell right it the, does the song of your home playing on the radio yeah it does he uh he did a great job with it and he worked on it you know he massaged that a lot just because he wanted it to be just right you know and and i think he mm-hmm. nailed it <laughs> yeah definitely then we have a token gospel barbershop number uh won't that be happy time and i guess this is the time to kind of give kudos. Is this Nate's first recording with the band? It is. It is. And in fact, he, he had not played a live show with us when we recorded. He, oh. he did this in December. We did this, uh, finished it up in, uh, in December, but had worked on it. You know, it was hard because we, we, we have such a, well, we used to have such a <laughs> busy tour schedule. Um, yeah. So we had us come in for a week here or two or a week there or whatever. And then, uh, and uh, yeah, he had not really played a live show with us before. I mean, we did the entire recording is what I'm saying before he ever played live with us. So he's great. He was great. He just jumped right in and he's a great singer and a great musician. Yeah. He really showed up, you know, especially like vocally on this. And I know on the, on the folks tune, I think right. that was him sing, singing quite a bit on that. Yeah, he's he's nailing the stuff like he's uh, like he's been there for years. Pretty crazy. Yeah, with uh, back just for a second to that uh, the East Chicago blues. Um, yeah, the perspective there was that Nate was kind of then the narrator, and then because hmm. we, we weren't sure if Robbie was going to be able to sing on it or not because of schedules and everything, you know? Okay. And Nate was going to sing it. And he does that. If we do it live, he'll do that. But um, then Robbie was able to do it. So that's how it's set up. So Robbie's kind of like Bill Monroe telling his story. The narrator comes in, Robbie tells the story, and then they finish singing together, you know? So there's a, oh, just a footnote to that. Yeah. You know, no, I'm, I'm glad to know all of this about that. I'm going to listen to it in a different, you know, with a slightly different perspective now. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Sweet Home Chicago, of course. H- has this been done, as far as you know, in a bluegrass style before? Not as far as we know. You know, it just seemed, so like, well. it seemed like such an obvious choice. I was worried. I, I was worried, you know, maybe it was too much of an obvious choice. And God, what are the blues folks going to think, you know, if we <laughs> come and double time a song like that, which is such a signature song for, I mean, what, you know, all the really down-home blues bands do that song, of course, whether they're from Chicago or not. And But Allison was like, no, hey, this will be cool. Let's just make it cool. We'll make it our own, blah, 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 you know. And and so we did, and and I'm real glad we did it. Yeah, it was, it was it's fast. It's, <laughs> it, it was tricky. It, it took a while to, play all the nuances and all the stuff and the and we you know we change uh, split solos a lot uh, throughout the the recording of that song and uh, and that got a little uh, it, it's it was fun but it, it got you had to really be on your toes let's just say that <laughs> oh yeah it's such a such a great band feature you're throwing solos around everywhere and um and I thought Rick re- saying no. it so well golly he nailed it you know uh, yeah, we were just talking about about Nate's strong debut, and yeah, Rick, Rick uh, really steps up on that one for sure. Um, yeah, I think we were just talking about Sweet Home Chicago, awesome like chromatic playing. I know you kind of said how how it went really fast and was a little bit uh, by the seat of your pants, maybe. But yeah, you you managed to to throw in some really cool 
really cool chromatic stuff particularly but um yeah great band feature Good it stuff. was a, it was and you know I, I have to credit allison though i mean she she sure pushes me to uh, do something different do something different yeah. you know and, oh i can imagine come up with yeah. it and, uh, and it's just she's just a thank uh, i'm very thankful to have her as our producer uh, brings out i think she just brings out the, the the best in each of us you know just makes us you already did that do something different you know and come up with stuff and just you know just truly brings out the best in in, in each of us in the band and it's uh, i can't well and especially now that she's been with you through several projects she even has a bit more of a like an institutional knowledge as to where the band has been before and, right uh, right to that point can yeah keep pushing you in in new directions that's really cool yeah it's um we're very lucky to have her yeah and, um, and, comp- and then of course the the other bookend of the album is the the reprise is this a, li- is this a live recording from 1949 special consensus gig on the on the radio is that where this was recorded from <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people will think that, that's for sure, because I'm always getting birthday <laughs> presents, uh, nods and cakes. But, uh, yeah, I thought they did a great job. Ned came in, Ned Lubrecki, you know, our good bud. And uh, he had great ideas about, you know, how... Well, And that was Allison's idea, to have the reprise like that and put those mm-hmm. pieces together. But uh, Ned just really made it sound authentic, you know? He, it, it, oh, yeah. He did. He, he, yeah. He's perfect for it, yeah. I, I, I'll point out another subtle thing that uh, I didn't know for sure they did until I listened to it. Uh, but in the reprise, when they're singing the song, and listen mm-hmm. for what Rick says at the very end of his trail off as he's singing. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna spoil it for us. We're we're gonna have to go back because I don't I didn't notice offhand. Okay. For five bucks, I'll tell you. All right. Now, it says the blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, and it's Greg's birthday. Oh, that's great. <laughs> they slipped it. it in. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Yeah. Never gets old, does it? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, cool. Uh, the other th- things I like to make sure we do is I know we mentioned a lot of the guest stars, but just in case we didn't give anyone their proper due, I'm kind of looking back through the notes to see if there's anyone who, uh, you know, contributed to this record that we didn't make sure that thank or to acknowledge. You know, we have to uh, mention our dancer. She was wonderful. Oh, this is Marsha, Marcia, right? Marsha, Marsha Campbell. Yeah, she made it, you know, that song at the end because she was doing the hooping and hollering and, and dancing. And I mean, she's just great. She really helped make it totally authentic. And I don't know if it's a spoiler alert or not, but, uh, you know, they're having the uh, virtual IBMA Awards show coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say that we're going to do the Chicago Barn Dance song on the uh, award show including her well, dancing so oh that's so cool what a great what a great idea and um that that actually leads me right into making sure to congratulate you because this is this recording either as the collection itself or various songs on them is up for what i saw it on at least like three or four awards something like that how, how many is this up for uh four 
four altogether. Oh, yeah, that's great. The, Congrats. The band, yeah, the band and the, the record. I mean, a total of four. I think it's Entertainer of the Year for the band and then Album of the Year, Song of the Year, and um, a Collaborative Recorded Event of the Year. Recorded Event, right. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I'm not sure if this interview will be released on my podcast before or after the awards, so... Hopefully this comes out in a celebratory situation for you. Um, We're just honored, yeah. seriously honored to, to be nominated, as everybody says. But it's, you know, we, we are. <laughs> it was great. We were floored. So it's good. Yeah, We're that's, happy. That's cool. What? So I know we covered the, the Julia Bell banjo, but we have banjo nerds listening. What, what uh, banjos other than that were used in the making of the record? I have uh, a, an old uh, Kel Croydon uh, banjo that uh, I, my great friend Tom Lang. It's a very long story how we. I've I've been you know I don't go to pawn shops hardly at all ever. I've only been in a few pawn shops in my life, but the one of the times that I went, this banjo was hanging on the wall as a tenor banjo, and it had obviously been played a lot. Um, uh huh. And uh, we were doing some school programs, and this was on the lunch break. Uh, the pawn shop was right next to the restaurant that Tom took us to to have lunch. And while we were doing the recording, while we went to do the next program, um, this was in Pontiac, Michigan, um, uh, Tom went and picked up the banjo, and, and uh, it was so general. I mean, I was floored. So anyway, I, 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 I kept it in my uh, office here for five or six years because I didn't know if I was going to put a tone ring in it, you know, it just had the hoop mm. and, it, you know, you have to cut the wood and I agonized over that. And, uh, I was going to have the five string neck made and I, I wanted to either put a tone ring in when I had that done or not, but I finally decided yeah. to do that. So Frank neat made the neck for it. And I've had a couple of different tone rings right now. It's got a Yates tone ring in it. And uh, I just love that old Gibson sound, you know, I just, uh, man, and this had it. But then, so I played that um, on a on the beginning, yeah, it's a couple of the songs. I, to be honest with you, I can't remember because um, in uh, November we always play a show for uh, the Down Home Guitars Shop in Frankfurt, Illinois, and they have the huge summer yeah. festival there, right? You know Steve. And, and he had taken this banjo in um, and trading for a guitar or whatever, and he asked me to play it when I thought and I was like oh my gosh and it's another Kel Croydon and I don't know huh. the details I don't even know who made the neck uh, and and what tone ring is in it because I don't want to take it apart it just sounds so <laughs> great so I just bought it from him and I played that on the most of the songs on that recording just uh, do those two sound similar to each other or they are they do. pretty different no they, they really sound similar I would say the the one they're both from the 30s the one mm -hmm. that uh I had uh, originally was, uh, I think it's a 35, and and this one is probably about the same. But this one hmm. clearly, I think, sat under somebody's bed for a long time because it's in okay. great condition. It looks like a new banjo, pretty much, whereas the other one looks like it's been played a lot, you know, and the, the pot metal's bending up like they do on the, on the flange. Yeah, on the flange, yeah. 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 So, Are uh, there... Are there original five-string Kel Croydons? I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know a whole okay. lot about these old banjos. I mean, I know some, but uh, I don't think so. But I'm not sure. 
Not yeah. not that okay. we were actually called Kel Croydon. I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you that you were really itching to to have people know about this this album? We covered a lot of a lot of good ground and um, can definitely in, endorse it as a as a really great listen. But uh, well, I, yeah. I appreciate that. No, I, I think um, we'd appreciate it. The problem for us was we even pushed back. Uh, Compass did this, push back the street date. We, you know, you could buy it in March, but the actual street date we kept they pushed back to May fifteenth, hoping that we could maybe be back at least On partially tour to touring. It, yeah. So we haven't played one show uh, since oh. this is released. Uh, it's like if anybody passes through Chicago, I have a few boxes of these right. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, we haven't yeah. been able to go anywhere um, with them. But if they really are interested, or there are some videos now on our uh, specialc.com. We did a, cool. a virtual video of Chicago Barn Dance um, where we each did it in our homes. And, of course, Compass put it together. Jody, their videographer, uh, did a great job of putting that together. And then we did another um, s- sort of virtual uh, version of my kind of town where we got a videographer okay. and and he and i went to all the well places we made a list that uh, that allison thought would be good and uh, of the popular well-known uh, chicago landmarks so we were you know by the art institute and by the bean and by the bean, Field right, and yeah. all that <laughs> Of course, one of the places we had to go because Allison insisted was was a hot dog stand because she loves Chicago hot dogs. <laughs> so, okay. So, so you have to go there and have one for me, you know. <laughs> and I said, okay. Is there a specific, we, we, there's a specific stand that she knows she likes? Like no, a, no, just the, that style, the, what they call Chicago okay. style hot dogs. And um, yeah, and they are great. That's great. And there are many of these. So we went to one that wasn't far from Wrigley Field, uh, Wrigleyville Dogs. And uh but so we played the tune. I just went and played the part of the tune in front of each of these places. And then all the other people involved, the other guys and Marsha, uh, not Marsha, that was uh, Chicago Barnett's, but everybody else, uh, including Allison, recorded at home, you know, or in their own studio or whatever, their part um, uh, for the video. And then just yeah. put it all together. So those two videos um, of those two songs are on our website. If you want to check it out, a, a visual version of it. Cool. And that's specialc.com. Is that the is that the best website for people to know about if they do want to pick up? It is. A yep. copy you of the can, record. You can pick up a copy of the record there. Yeah, and see a bunch of videos and listen to some other music as well. You know, some of our other songs. So that's great. And I have to say to you, I have to thank you for doing these podcasts. They're so interesting. And you've uh, done so many of the, just, it's a, you could just learn the styles of so many players and, and so much about banjo with the podcast you've done. It's a real great thing, Keith. No kidding. Oh man, I appreciate you saying that. It's it's just as thrilling for yeah. You look great in it too. No, it's just it's just as thrilling for me to get to to talk to you and all your cohorts as it is for the people listening. So I'm just glad people want to listen to it because I'm enjoying doing it and I'll keep it going as long as I can. So I always appreciate you being a part of it and the kind words and everything mean a lot. That's cool. It's a good thing that you're doing. Thank you for that. Really, I know it's a lot yeah. of work too. So thanks a million. 
it it is a lot of work, but honestly, I wish I could do it even more. I, I would love to just yeah <laughs> focus on it. Well, I'll let you go, Greg. I mean, even though you didn't include any songs about like Mike Ditka or Polish sausages, I really expected something more out of this. But you know, I, I guess we can uh, I guess we can work with this we'll, as it is. We'll just have to do another one on the you know hundredth anniversary of the band. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> even better. <laughs> In uh, in quarantine time, that should be here in 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 no time, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I think we're all living in dog years or something oh, like that. Man, seems like it. Or Groundhog Day dog years. Yeah. Holy cow! Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's exactly right. Groundhog Day dog years. Like in one way, it's stretched out, and in another way, it's just the same day. <laughs> right. Over and over again. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was Greg Cahill, the banjo player with Special Consensus, talking about their recent album, IBMA award-winning album, The Chicago Barn Dance. Once again, thank you so much to CJ Marsicano and Dale Cardos for being the Patreon supporters of today's episode. You can go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to learn how you can help support the show, too. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the Soundbrite Banjo Clinic. That's at Americana Music Academy dot com slash banjo dash clinic and that's only 25 bucks and it's for a good cause so win 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 situation there contact the show by emailing picky fingers banjo podcast at gmail.com happy holidays everyone happy new year and i will see you back here in just a couple weeks for the first episode of 2021 and until then everyone take care of yourselves and see you later